Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Primal Something podcast. Happy New Year to you all, hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year. Uh, we are back for the first episode of the podcast. This week we have um, some of my uh, friends in from uh, the Newcastle area, Ed Dutton, Ollie Dutton and Catherine Stoddard who are here to talk about um, uh, a subject that I've always thought was a funny one. Um, the subject of a uh, tabletop game which is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, now I've always sort of had a, a bit of uh, banter or a laugh with the guys about playing the game. Um, I know absolutely nothing about it so I just wanted to get uh, the three of them in to talk about it because they all play the game. Um, I wanted to find out a little bit more of the, the history of the game, why they play it, um, what it does for them and why people who don't play the game should actually get into it and, and maybe give it a go. So here we go for the third, post, third podcast of 2018, a podcast um, about Dungeons and Dragons with Ed Dutton, Ollie Dutton, Catherine Stoddard and myself, Glenn Wheeler. Enjoy. Don't, don't be nervous. Right, there we go. So Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Edward, enlighten me. You were the guy who picked the subject. Oh. Um. Where do we start? me <laughs> On the spot question. Yeah, so I wanted to um, sort of have a bit of a podcast just to talk about Dungeons & Dragons because it's something that um, me and Ollie tried for the first time. How long ago? Like a year ago? Nah, about... Yeah, actually probably about a year ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so we tried it about a year ago and then we had like a six month break where did you start it at? was it a house or? it was a group of Ollie's mates who mm. all played board games um, and they have I think one of them is it Ash? essentially well I don't know one of them was like oh yeah um, I don't know if they've done Dungeons and Dragons presumably they, done Dungeons and Dragons done before they've done a like a campaign before like a year before with some people when they were interested in Starting it again, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it got to the point where no one really wanted to. They call it DM, which is being the dungeon master, which is kind of running the game. Um, and friend Ash kind of did it because no one else wanted to do it. Um, but yeah, so that that lasted. About I think we did two sessions. Two yeah, sessions. it didn't last very long because because we all live so far away from each other. You have to play it in person. It's not like well, you can do it online. Yeah, I was looking. I was doing some research. Oh, <laughs> you love your research, <laughs> Mister Wheeler. And there was there was where they were doing. I think it looked like they're doing it on like uh, online Skype type of. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So you can use Skype and you can do like video chat or whatever. Um, it's a very popular thing. There's a company called uh, Roll Twenty, which has been around for a while, and that allows you to facilitate online games and it includes abilities to show maps, to show actual dice rolls um, it's like a digital dice you mm. know, so a lot, many people do it online, because obviously um, the, the gaps, especially places in like America because obviously America is much bigger, so people that, that's where, is that where it stemmed from? Was it the guy, is it just somebody who who'd started the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing, he used to... Yeah, it, like, originates... Read, he, 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 read, he, he read The Hobbit, 
or something that I was I was um, watching. The guy who designed Wouldn't you read the Hobbit. And it all stemmed around reading that book, going away from it, and then he, he decided to um Yeah, it was basically start back this in idea of Dungeons and Dragons but where you make up stories yeah, as a game. It started as a, like a different game, I can't remember what it was called. It started it was back in Oh, wait, should we actually explain what Dungeons & Dragons is? Because <laughs> we all, like, kind of know about it, but... Uh, I don't. So do you, oh. do you play as well, Captain? I've yeah. played twice. Three times. Me, yeah. 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 And what did you think of it? <clears throat> Hang on. <laughs> Explain oh, what, what is Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so Dungeons & Dragons, um, the best way I can describe it is a group of your friends, um, maybe not friends, <laughs> maybe soon to be friends, um, sat around a table, or not on, around a table. Sorry, maybe. <laughs> um, it's a tabletop game, right? It's, well, it is and it isn't. It's, it's a storytelling game. Um, and you can use tabletop things to help you explain that story. So the the DM, the dungeon master, who Ollie was explaining, is essentially the narrator of a story. And you can only uh, have one dungeon master. You can only have one dungeon. You can only have one narrator. Yes. And everyone else who takes part is essentially a, like a character in that world. Um, and that character can be essentially whoever you want them to be. Um, and as long as the dungeon master is okay with you being that person, then. Yeah, and you essentially... How do you pick a character? So there's there's books and stuff out there, there's guidance out there to help you decide your character. You can be, like, from a range, range of races and classes, from, like, humans to dwarves to elves to half-orcs to gnomes. orcs to... Gnome? Gnome? To gnomes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could literally be... Anything. Like if you wanted to, Yeah, if you wanted to be a horse, you could be a horse, but... You would probably You're not helping yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could be a you could be a vampire cleric, vampire that heals people. Yeah, that is a possibility. Are all these coming from a book though, or something? So yeah, they originate from a book. But if you had a completely new idea that you wanted to try out as a character, um, you could do that. So Glenn, you could be Glenn Wheeler in the Dungeons and Dragons world. <laughs> could you have yeah. a Formula One themed Dungeons and Dragons? You session? could. You actually could. <laughs> well, but I will not facilitate that in the slightest. <laughs> Well, Dungeons & Dragons is um, more about fantasy. Mm. Um, there's, it's a fantasy role-playing game. There is hundreds of role-playing games out there. There's role-playing games for Firefly, for Doctor Who, for probably Formula One, managing your own garage. Cause Apocalyptic ones as well. Mm. Like, um, And there's futuristic ones with like guns and stuff like that as well. So. Yeah, so Dungeons & Dragons is typically for fantasy World, you know, sword shields, bows, Lord of the Rings. dungeons, dragons. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. Lord of the Rings. The guy, the guy that was listening earlier said like stuff like Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. He said even yeah. Game of Thrones is yeah, yeah. is dun- dungeons and dragons. It is, it is, yeah. So if you, yeah, Game of Thrones, for example, most people could probably relate to that. Um, imagine yourself as a character within the world of, dun- of Game of Thrones. Um, you can decide what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, who you want to do it with. Um, and everything that you do will have consequences and the consequences are decided by the dungeon master so Ned Stark decides to be all truthful blah 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 he goes to the capital and then he ends up getting beheaded that could be your character but if you make different decisions along the road then you might survive you might make other friends you might make enemies you might explore different places or do literally do whatever you want 
literally. And the dungeon master's job is to facilitate that and make it as an hopefully enjoyable experience. And the dice. Oh yeah, yeah, the dice. Yeah, so. So to start Dungeons and Dragons, you have to have a set of dice and a book. Um, you don't even need a book. A flat surface um, to roll the dice on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can have. You could just have imagination. One person in your group, say six, has the book. That could be the dungeon master and. Um, Nowadays, there's plenty of stuff online as well. There's actually um, a free starter set, no, a free rule book online that you can download. It's the, basically the, start, the the player's handbook, which is the probably the well, most well-known one. It's that, but a short version of it, and that's available for free. Anyone can download it. So in theory, you could play Dungeons & Dragons, zero cost at all. You know, get a yeah. dice rolling app on your phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you don't. You can make you can all the rules up yourself anyway. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is the beauty of it. Is the yeah, because the world is narrated by the dungeon master. The dungeon master might not even use the book at all. So the dungeon master, obviously, in this is not is not because you can you can I guess you can win. In Dungeons and Dragons, there, there's, well, <laughs> that's, that's the that's, common phrase yeah, that people can you my win? Mom sent can me you the lose? Text. Like, did you win? And I was like, yeah. well, I don't know. I survived. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, in Game of Thrones, Arya Stark, has she won? Mm. She's still so continuing can, her story. Can, can Dungeons and Dragons be to be continued until the week after? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah. So, so. Hang on a minute, this sounds longer <laughs> than Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, got, <laughs> you have people that run campaigns for years. I don't know, I read posts online about people who've been running the same campaign for three, four, five years. Jesus. Same characters, same players, and they play every week for five years. Um, and they build up this massive world. So when people ask me, did you win? I was like, technically, I... Survived. Did, yeah. <laughs> You win or lose, you roll dice. So when you roll dice, you do technically win because you pass, you succeed, or you fail. So there is a win or lose element in it, but it happens many times to the smallest thing, to the largest thing. You could say, did you win? Yes, we killed the bad guy. Hmm. We won, you know. Um, but there's always, always be another, another bad, bad guy. guy. <laughs> so go back to the start of it then, you... To start a game of Dungeons and Dragons, you need a, a dungeon master, is it? Yeah. Essentially, you need a friend. Well, actually, friends. can you do everything online, like by yourself, or is that just like. I was going to say, World of Warcraft, obviously, you need, you need a couple of people to play the game. At least two, 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 two. two people, yes. Yeah, so you need someone to narrate the world and someone to play in the world. And how many do you lot playing in terms of a group? Four or five? So there's four um, in the world that I run. Uh, so I dungeon master for Ollie Catherine. You're a dungeon master? I am a dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> the master. No, some people call me God. No, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> um, put it on your CV. Good one. Um, um, yeah. So the session that I run is called Catherine, Ollie, and Carl, um, and like next week we're gonna have. This is no, just played uh, on the table, is it? Or is it yeah, yeah. On, oh, it's on the table. Yeah, so around the table, and uh, but at the weekend we're gonna, there's going to be six of us, five of six, six, six of us. So yeah, plus you, including you, sign. So yeah, six including us. So it's going to be five players. Um, and essentially, it's um, 
Rob and his girlfriend Katie are coming for the weekend um, and they're going to join in on the session but they're going to be a character that essentially dips into the story um, and then by the end of the week I'm going to have to make them Stare dip out they've <laughs> gone on, gone on holiday yeah. um, the easiest way is you know mercenaries but yeah. you know yeah so uh, so you need a dungeon master you need some dice and you need a player you need a player then what happens? Does the does the dungeon master start a story? Yeah, so basically you have. Um, Hang on, the dungeon master makes up. Can he make up a story or yeah. just yeah. read from a book? Literally, most of the sessions yeah. with Ed so far have been run on the fly. Yeah. I mean, a good story. It works quite well though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has a basis to run off, so he's created a world. He's created a map. He's created these figures in these worlds, like. Authority figures. Um, Do you not need to prep for if you're a dungeon master? You need to yeah. prep loads. Yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> well, <laughs> it just well, yeah. Time, you can there are moments where I'm like, oh shit, I haven't thought of that. <laughs> it's only when coming up with names that that's clear that you haven't thought things through. But you, but have, you, you have to develop a world. Yeah, like and you, the play. Those players will all be inside that world doing certain. Yeah, things. exactly. But like your typical games, they have rules and parameters, um, which outline how to play the game. Says who? No, in normal games. Sorry, so like Monopoly. All right, you, okay. You go around a board. You mm. get houses. You have money. Simple yeah. as. Um, or there's a rule e- book. even like games like Skyrim or Oblivion. Mm-hmm. There's set places. It's a little bit freer because you can make your own class. You'd be your own race. But you, the conversations you have with people are still prescriptive. Like you say this, they respond with this. You say this, they respond with this. Like there are only so many. Ways a conversation can go on a mm. game like that, because um, in the end, it's computer-generated code, yeah. so the computer Someone. can only reply with the responses that have been generated. Exactly, uh, but in Dungeons and Dragons, there are literally infinite possibilities because so, it involves people. Yeah, um, get rid of the robots. <laughs> so yeah, if you had an insane AI, you could probably play uh, Dungeons and Dragons with them, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Ollie was playing as a dungeon master for the first time yesterday. Great job, by the way. Thank you. Ten points. Did you, did, did did you, you plan it out more beforehand? Or was it similar? So I didn't plan it out much um, because the benefit also, some people find creating their own world daunting. So there is actually quite a few resources out there or things, books you can buy which already have a world pre-generated. They already have town cities you know politics created within the world itself so all you're doing is studying the book that describes the world um, for example you can buy the Dungeons and Dragons starter set off Amazon for 12-13 pounds which isn't much with that you get a set of dice you get pre-made character sheets you get a rule book and you get a campaign book and that campaign book has an entire um, basically world created in it it already has cities and um, rulers that, and it has a story that you go through it um, so people who are scared of making not scared but they don't want to make their own story first because mm-hmm. they're new or they don't have any don't have any good ideas. They just want to get used to how it works and then they can start yeah. being a bit more creative with their stories mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. You have a book um, and 
the average playthrough of the book, obviously it varies because you may spend an entire session with your characters in an inn getting drunk. You know, that's not that's necessarily in the book. <laughs> but but um, the, on average, it takes about um, 30 hours or so of gameplay to complete that campaign. How would you track, you, how would you track what is happening during the game? Like, so if it's 30 hours, obviously you're going to come back for a second day or a third day. Yeah. How would you track progress of what the hell's happened throughout the whole game? That's the Dungeon Master's job, really. They've well, got to make well is it? Or is it the player's job to remember what's happened? Because I will, sometimes I'll only say something once, and if they don't remember that, then... Like, for example, if they see a painting on a wall of something, which has, um, I would say, a map that's pinned on a wall, I'll show them the map once. As soon as they walk away from that wall, that they won't, they don't have that map unless they remember it or they've drawn it. So, so are people taking notes as shit's going on? They're supposed to. Oh, they are. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the the flip side to that it's argument okay. is, say you're playing a character that is meant to be really smart. Mm-hmm. Your character sees that thing on the wall and maybe you as a player have not remembered it but it would be realistic that in the world you've created your character is smart enough to remember it themselves yeah just like we have a vision in our head of the world like we know where Africa is we know where Europe is we know where America is so even though the player themselves might not know or remember it would be reasonable to expect that a smart intelligent character would remember in that instance the dungeon master may show the player the map again but just for him because his character would remember it's it's a big juggling act between what your player knows and what your character knows because I struggle like divide the two so I keep making character decisions based on what I would do mm-hmm. so I feel like my character's more me than mm-hmm. a yeah. character which is fine to start off with yeah. you know I mean um, it's, it's good to start that way because you get used to role playing as in theory someone else it may it may be quite like you but they have a different name they have a different um, backstory as to say you know and then you can go from there I'm not a dwarf. <laughs> You're not a dwarf. That is true. <laughs> so it was, it was your session, Catherine. Um, your first session. How many weeks ago? Like three weeks ago? Maybe it was on the second, wasn't it? Second, yeah, second January. January. Yeah, yeah. How have you? Th- th- what are your thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons so far as a fairly new player? Is that game still going on? No. Yeah. So that was a, uh, yeah. So you can do. Yeah, campaigns are one shots so the one shots just like a one session type thing but then campaigns you can continue on for years if you can be bothered and <laughs> 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 um, what was the question oh a thought yeah um, yeah so, so that first session that was like a one shot story because yeah. that was my first time ever being a dungeon master so I did like have a prescriptive story yeah Um but I think it definitely worked better for you doing your own thing rather than following a mm. preset camp- like story. Yeah. You were just looking at the paper. Not that much. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're becoming a lot of self-conscious. And what I noticed is that when I was doing my first Dungeon Master, I felt like I was very disjointed, slight disorganised, kept looking at the paper or the notes and whatnot. But the players didn't really notice that I was looking at that because they were just role-playing amongst themselves. Um, So you can kind of 
catch up on these sessions, mm. but someone who is good at making up stories is um, they know the world they've created themselves. You know, it's come from their own head and they can make stuff on the fly. But if the world you've created is on a piece of paper, unless you've studied that quite well, you, you know, have to refer you to have it. to keep have to yeah. refer back to it. If, um, if you've got if you've got a dungeon master who's reading from like a sheet of a book, can that dungeon master pass that to the players to sort of study and read, or is it all coming from his voice to fill those people it, to remember? It depends what they want you to know. Yeah, yeah. There may be a map that they could so show much them. Power the dungeon. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it wasn't joking about the word god. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, a lot of the stuff in the book is only for like. For your eyes only, for the DM's eyes only, because it might reveal stuff that the players that's up, up and coming that the players shouldn't really know. Um, yeah. So what what happens if um, so you you play Dungeons and Dragons for four hours, but then you've got to come back say on another day? What happens when the players go away? They could be texting each other certain things to plan against I, certain players. That, that is I, true. I actually encourage that. Oh, okay. Because that happens in real life. Sneaky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so at the end of a session, like it would be the dungeon master's job to sort of wrap it up. So it might be that they end up staying in an inn somewhere, or like pitching a tent and sleeping it rough for the night, or whatever. Um, we usually end like on a night, don't yeah. we? Because it's the easy, it makes sense. In a logical, um, just like mid battle, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Because if you're fighting something and then you destroy it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was this you were saying before? Hmm? What was the question? Okay. Why if someone, so why if someone yeah, goes on holiday? Was that? Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, I was yeah, saying yeah. once, if you finish your game on a night, you go away. And, people, and then yeah, people start texting on Facebook and each other private messages to say what they're going to do when they come back to the game. So it doesn't really matter because they haven't. It all depends if they can do that when they, what they roll, so they yeah. can, can try and do something. But then, as long as they're playing in character, and it's like not obvious that they're sort of cheating, like uh, uh, we, players can conspire against other players. Like the the characters can create horrible plans to sneakily kill another character in the night do you know what I mean if they really don't like them they could do so that so what happens if she killed your character he doesn't have a character but okay. <laughs> um, it would be tears well, are you just out of the game and you don't well it? it would depend on the circumstances mm. as to how they killed and why they killed them would I be able to fight back yeah. or um, would yeah. the, can the character be resurrected by a powerful wizard and you'll you know, often find actually be, because there's such an emotional connection between the players and the characters People become like quite attached to their character, and they will literally go to the nth degree to keep that character alive. And therefore, no, it sounds really sad. And um, and they'll do the same to keep their friends alive. Like no one makes the final decision, or the dungeon master makes the final decision on what happens. Yeah, dungeon master every time. So you could have um, the three friends conspire against the dungeon master to do something. They try and attempt it, and then the dungeon master could just make it fail. Mm. You know, you could just say, are oh, you, yeah. you, you know, you try and go for the bad guy, you, you fail. But you players have got to remember, the Dungeon Master is not the bad guy. The Dungeon Master is the playing narrator. the bad guy. Yeah. 
as a character, you've got to be angry at the character, not the dungeon master. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think before I started, I was attached, attached to the character, though. Like, when oh, well, I say I spent ages making a character, I spent like two hours making a character. <laughs> and I'd given like a bunch of items and stuff, and then in the campaign I did, we woke up with like none of our possessions, and I was absolutely livid. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd spent so much time in character and with your character that it, it is an, it's totally imaginary it's like a totally imaginary friend that you've created <laughs> and that sounds really really sad but it's so again. yeah it's so true though like and I think that's what makes Dungeons and Dragons so powerful is because it is all in the mind you don't you hardly see anything everything is based off a description or um, like a set of words or a map that you might see and from that point you are creating assumptions and your own using your own stereotypes and stuff that you know to create a visual image in your head of what is happening and like there is no other game like that you can play like Skyrim and it's all there on a screen for you mm. the sounds are there the, the birds are there the animals are there you can see everything but if I said there was a um, a 10 foot brown bear leaping towards you, you you're imagining that in your head right now of how that is leaping towards you, what it looks like, what if it's got any scars on it, if what colour its fur is, what's the weather like outside. I haven't told you any of those things, but you're creating all of those assumptions in your head. If there's a brown bear leaping towards me, at my, least my, my biggest concern is the weather. <laughs> if it's snowing. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? And that's what makes it so good in my eyes. So how far along how far along does the dungeon master tell his story? For then, for the players to then do their certain actions, like what, what I mean, what does the dice? How what does the dice do in the game? What is that there for the dice? So the dice is it risk. What yeah, is it job? adds uncertainty in the game. So you might try to attempt to do something. So the dice is just a standard dice with numbers on it. Yeah. So you have like you have like what six dice, six yeah, different dice. Yeah, they're called a set of polyhedral dice. There's by a standard seven dice. So you have a um, a D6, which everyone knows. Six-sided dice size. Yeah. A lot of people in D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, refer to the dice as D number of sides. So six-sided dice is a D6. Mm-hmm. You have a D4, which looks like a pyramid, because it's four sides. Okay. You have a... How does that work with a pyramid dice? You just throw it, and whatever number's on the top, mm-hmm. or some dice have it on the bottom... Is um, whatever the number you've chosen. Um, Then you also have a D8, that's eight sides, Mm -hmm. you know, a D10, a D12, um, D20. A D20. A dice of 20 sides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're fucking joking. Nope. That's that the most used dice yeah, in the game. Practically a sphere. And <laughs> um, you do get D100s. They're just like balls. You know, and they're not very efficient. How do you how do you make a decision on what you're um, And then you also the seventh dice is a percentile dice, where it's a technically it's a D10, um, mm-hmm. but it has two numbers on the side, so it'll go from zero zero to ninety. The idea is you roll the percentile dice with the D10, and that will again give you a number from one to hundred. And what do the numbers correspond to? It can be many things. So, so you. Oh, I was going to say, so, so as an example, um, say Catherine's character was. How do you pronounce it? Rithwin. Rithwin, the dwarf. Um, say she wants to um, climb a rope 
something as simple as climb a rope so she can get on top of a wall. Um, she, I would say, okay, Catherine, uh, you can do that, but I want you to roll an athletics check. And an athletics check is essentially... so every As the dungeon master, you're telling them to do this. Yeah, yeah, so every character will have their character sheet, which has all the sort of stats about them, so what they're good at, what they're not good at, um, maybe a bit of their background, um, things that they're attached to, the items that they have on them. It's just essentially a record of who they are and what they've got. So um, you have to gather all this information up front. If someone creates a character, you yeah. have to create. That someone has to write this sheet out. But you can't just like max out all of your abilities. Yeah. Like, really kind of climb and also really smart. Yeah. Like, so you can make your own character up to a point. Um, that's where the dungeon master is like. Well, actually, I think your path is like you. you you can't give yourself a million gold to start with because <laughs> it's just not cool. Yeah, so the, the <laughs> why. But then, like, say, say I was like, okay, Riswin, um, you want to climb this rope, make an athletics check. She would look at her, her character sheet, and on her character sheet, she would have, like, an athletic score, essentially. Um, or in, well, I think it falls under dexterity, which is, like, a, a general sort of grouping. Um, and then she would roll... Um, uh, one the the D twenty so one to twenty sided dice, and the higher that that rolls, the better she does at that job, and the lower the worse. So if she rolls a eighteen, she actually did a really really good job. Um, she might have a modifier depending on her stats. So her her dexterity might say actually you're really really you're really dexterous. You get plus two for those sorts of things. So that would make it a 20. So her 18 would then become a 20, and she's done phenomenally well, and she climbs up the rope like she's some sort of... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bossed it. (laughs) But she might roll a a, a 1 or a 2, and... I can't even hold the rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The dungeon master can then decide actually what her fate is. I might say, actually, you climb all the way to the top, and as you put your hand on the wall, you lose your footing and you slip and fall. That's a bit bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where the uncertainty is. So, I mean, how can you just spell that idea though? Yeah, like, it's like, how can that happen? How can what happen? How can the dungeon master make that decision based on what? It's based on the die roll. So, based on everything, everything in the game has uh, circumstances, and everything has uh, consequences. So, you know, there, there might be uh, instead of a rope. Well, there might be a rope, but actually there might be holes in the wall where she could put her feet. And I would make it... I would then lower the score she needed to achieve that. So instead of, um, say, to climb the rope without any footings, without any footholds, she would need a 15 to do it. Um, But if there were footholds, she might only need a 10 to do it. So the dungeon master would decide actually what the difficulty is, so how hard it is to do it, and then she would roll a, a, a d20 based on that, and then the score would then yeah does that make sense mm. it's, it's quite hard to follow though it's yeah. it's like the dungeon master must be taking a shit ton of notes on what's going on probably not it's all no I make no notes everything's in my head but but it's so say you're the dungeon master mm-hmm. um, I want to open that door mm-hmm. right you might say to me okay you know, the, the door, it's made out of stone. steel or stone. Okay, yeah, there we go. Make a strength check, because it's going to be heavy to open. I roll a dice. I roll 11. Do I open the door? You're a weak little bitch, so no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit okay. weak. You can also okay. do. Ollie, Ollie is going to try and open the door. Ollie rolls. He rolls a 15. Does he open the door? So it's like range like 0 to 20. So if you judge... You can squeeze through. <laughs> See, <laughs> and the, that is how you make decisions. You don't really have to do anything. 
other than actually, yeah. But what? How? Why? In in that like, so this guy builds the dungeon master builds the world or yeah. whatever. How would he make make it that everybody would be in the same place to open the door, or would? Exactly. It doesn't. <laughs> they can go wherever they want. Yeah. Characters can split up all over across and the world in the dungeon. Different master characters know different things. So yeah. within reason, though, obviously. Yeah, obviously that really, really happens. Really, because people um, naturally naturally okay. slow down. So the main part of the dungeon master's job, in my mind, is about uh, making the story fun. And um, fun is a massive part of it. So if you end up having all four characters splitting up and going to different parts, the story has to be effectively split into four sections. So this dungeon master can only concentrate on one at a time. So while he's managing one story, three people are, three sat, there people are sat there waiting. They can't do anything because the character is in a completely different so room. So it's the job of the dungeon master to keep characters contained, essentially. Yeah, so you could... There's a whole um, discussion between allowing them free roam, like full free roam, would be allowing them to split up completely, managing different stories. And there's also a term called uh, railroading. It's called railroading because trains can only go in one direction. The one, the rail, the trains can't go anywhere. (laughs) Can go forward or backwards, (laughs) but no one wants to go backwards. Exactly. So the dungeon, the person might be like, oh, I want to go this way, but then there might be something stopping them or discouraging them mm. um, to go like that. So I think it gets to a point where the balancing act becomes too much and the fun just starts to drop and people start getting bored. And then it's that point. And people don't want that to happen, so people generally will keep their characters together Anyway, because it's more like group decisions. It's like group decisions, really, that are made. Um, So, shall we go in this house? Not, I'm going to go in this house. It's, shall we go in this house? Or, actually, shall we do this quest? Or, yes. Too much undecisiveness, and I just go for it because I just get bored of waiting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's that as well. Yeah, so. uh, Yeah, I quite like the railroading aspect of it anyway, Mm -hmm. because I prefer the storytelling part of it rather than. Well, I like being able to decide what to do and how what I do changes the story, but then I'm quite happy just sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, I want someone to read a book to us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that I can occasionally change. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy on YouTube that I uh, watch, and he talks about being a dungeon master, and he talks about the different types of players. Um, and what he talks about is very true. The, the guy's name is called Matt Colville, um, and he talks about there's players that are rule masters that want to follow the rules, and when the dungeon master um, bends the rules or goes from the rules, they get a bit annoyed. Um, you get people who are um, actors; they want to play the part, they want to you know do as much role play as possible, and they get annoyed when they don't get given the chance to act or be dramatic or they have to go a certain way they didn't want to go to but then there's people like Catherine that are more observers they're happy with the story just playing out in front of them and happy with the tagging along (laughs) tagging along and just nudging it every there and there so I think in the video it talks about like 12 different types of players Um, and 
it is very uh, true what he what he says. You know, people are choose ones a tactician. You know, they want to choose the best possible, most effective way to a kill something or do something. Um, but then there's someone that just completely wings it, and if they fail, that's just all part of the fun. Pardon me. <laughs> when you get these character types or player types they kind of conflict with each other so the tactician starts to get annoyed because the person's not playing his character to 100% proficiency but the actor doesn't care because he's having fun and he's mm. role playing you know so it is again it's another balancing act between getting the right people in place but also pleasing everyone at the same time and again making it fun for everyone can the dungeon master control in terms of um, so I guess players can talk to each other about what's going to happen next mm-hmm. but can the dungeon master actually pick one person out to say yeah. something's going to happen well yes yeah, yeah I've, so I've done that actually on a few occasions so like point to someone to, to ha- have them make a decision on what happens next in the yeah. next yeah, yeah. so then you might uh, there might be a point in time where um I might ask everyone to make a, a perception check, for example, and um, say the person with the highest dice. I will only tell them that they see something, because they they've they have the perception to actually have noticed something where everyone else sort of just continues walking. So that is one way you can do it. You can do it kind of randomly like that, or um, you can just like indirectly tell that person so so in my sessions everyone's allowed their phone like, I prefer people don't use their phones in their session because it can be quite distracting but I text the player um, something that other players might not have noticed so uh, last session for example uh, Carl his character uh, noticed um, like a, a figure walking across a field in the distance but no other character saw that so I text him that um, and he was like, guys, trust, guys yeah. he was like, guys, 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 <laughs> there's, there's someone in the distance. <laughs> I didn't trust him. I thought he was trying to kill us. And I was like, no, yeah, yeah. Yes. you go first, Carl. So, so no one else saw him. So is he telling the truth? I don't know. The, the problem with that as well, though, is that people like to play it differently, is that a lot of DMs don't like to interact with the world directly. Some people would see that as um, interfering with the world as an... DM, mm. whereas um, if a dungeon master wants to tell something to a character directly, they would normally feed it through um, what you call an NPC, which is a non-playable character, a character that the dungeon master has made up, like a innkeeper or a wizard, you know, just someone that they encounter in the world, um, and the wizard would say. Um, oh, I've seen that person over there. Have you seen him? Um, because it really, some again, it's very rarely it varies because dungeon masters play completely differently. They have different mm. play styles. You know, like Ed has no problem messaging someone directly. So the dungeon master can just create his own character there and yeah. then have yeah. to do something. You, we could just be playing here, and then I could just say like. Jeffrey, the wizard, walks through the door. I literally just made that up on the spot, you know, and you could have an entire backstory. (laughs) Oh, hello, Jeffrey. (laughs) How is it going? That's always the voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that, that proves my point, you know, literally, you could uh, 
they play and could ask him where he came from DM could just make it up on the spot they, you know this yeah. character could have an entire backstory you know yeah. I think that's my favourite part but like last time there was a lot of like exploring things and talking to NPCs and stuff and that was like my favourite like I've fallen conversations I've grown very attached to these NPCs yeah. and I sat down had a cup of tea Go on, tell that one. It, tab, well, first was Tabloid, the, the um, shopkeeper. So, shopkeeper. So, so the the party is currently uh, just to put you in context. Tabloid it. Just to put you in context. Um, so the party is currently in a town called Yalford Well. Um, the Alfred Well. Yalford Well. Yalford Well. And it's, you built it's, the name. <laughs> it's a little. Uh, I have to be careful what I say here because I don't want to give anything away. Uh, but it's essentially a town that um, has elves in it. It's just like a, only elves really live there. Um, and there's a few houses and there's like an armory and a tavern and a, a manor and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, go on. Uh, well, I went to the shop and I just had a long conversation with the shopkeeper about how long he worked there. He works long hours. Um, <laughs> He's old, as all characters seem to be. Tabloid. Great out this tabloid. And then there was a lovely, again, elderly elven woman called Ava, who just invited us in for a brush. It creepily opened the door and said, come in for a cup of tea. And I was like, I will do. And had a nice chat with her. Can't remember what I spoke about. And this was all by herself. Wow, yeah. my character was in the tavern drinking, <laughs> you know. So within certain areas you can get slight split up if you're in the local vicinity because that's yeah I mean just, they're all in the town yeah. like they weren't miles away they could, yeah. they could get so, to one another in less yeah. than a minute and you just switch between the characters every, yeah every few minutes like they've had like that's enough conversation for you now get back to the yeah. but like yeah. I just like drew a map of the village so then we know where we can go and mm. I just wanted to open every door so I think there's about five buildings left to see. Um, but yeah, but Tavaloy is what you get when you think of names on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Any it's really good at thinking up the stories, but when the names come up, it's like. Hmm. But <laughs> people have thought of this, so you know, D and D has been around since 1974, and obviously with the in, looking at that, you know, with the invention of the internet during that time, um, people must have come up with these problems in the past. So there's hundreds of generation tools out there that generate towns, generate, you know, taverns, generate names. And there's pages and books that list an entire list of names. So what you could do, you could just, I need a name, look at the list, cross it off, or write next to who they are. So if you're not good at names you know, I'm, I'm not that creative myself but if you're not good at names there's resources out there that you know can help you and a lot of people say everything's a remix everything's a remix <laughs> and take it from stuff you love you know no one's going to judge you if you've got a character called Frodo <laughs> or a town a, called the Shire you know, <laughs> I mean as long as obviously you're playing in your own house use whatever you want you know the reason I'm a dwarf, not an elf, because I want to be a ranger. And I was like, "Well, I'll be an elf ranger." And then it was pointed out that that's just, it was just Legolas. And I was like, "Well, I'll be a dwarf." And then <laughs> but slightly different. Be Legolas if you want to be Legolas. You know, yeah. just be called something different. You know, it's be like, Lewis Hamilton if you really want, uh, Glenn. Oh, yes, I'd do that. Straight yeah, away. I'd kill him off straight away. Good <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, there's a wall. You crash your car. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. wizard appears and resurrects you, you from the dead. You hit a wall, you hit a tire wall, and you bounce uh, back off it. 
Yeah, but they're designed for that. <laughs> Concrete walls on that. He's, he's trying to kill him. I'm keeping him alive. I'm, oh, no, but, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not a tire wall. <laughs> oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. I make those decisions. <laughs> okay, so, and, and a lot of people, um, I was reading before that a lot of people spend a shit ton of money on this as well. Mm. Um, I was reading with all this different things you can buy online and stuff for it, books and all that type of stuff. Yeah, so um, there's the, as I said, you can play it absolutely zero cost at all using a, you know an online dice roller, or you can buy the starter kit for as cheap as £13, or you can be like myself that's just spent £150 on what? <laughs> books. But I bought... Enthusiasts. Yeah, I bought... Uh, mini- thousands books. of pounds worth of miniatures. Like, because... For example, when we went into Yarford Well, I drew the town. I have like I've got a wipeable sort of grid which I can draw stuff on. And then Are you going to say you did this on CAD or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit, of, bit, bit, bit of CD, bit of uh, city planning. Um, yeah, so I quickly like sketched up the town, like what goes where and stuff. And then for each player, we have I've given them a miniature, like a little like model of what their character might look like, and that that, that is their their. That's where they are in the town. Does that make sense? You bought them. Uh, Ollie has them from a different game, so we just use those ones. What like actual pieces? Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've bought a number of board games in the past that come with miniatures that are meant to be used for game. that game. But that that game itself is set during medieval times, so you generally get a wizard-looking character, a ranger-looking character, orcs, goblins, you know, Dwarves, so you can, yeah, whole, whole you can use those but um, people to do that. People Dog spend thousands of pounds. <laughs> yeah, be the iron. <laughs> um, people spend thousands of pounds, like, create, getting physical, like, towns made and like, the miniatures and stuff, painting all the miniatures and stuff, creating the whole town and putting them in for their players. Okay, yeah, so there's a number of uh, core books out there. Um, I think, top of my head, there's probably about six rule books that you can buy that are either uh, you've got the player's handbook, and then you've got um, a book about monsters for the Dungeon Master, you've got Dungeon Master's Guide, um, and they're the, like, the three core books, and then you've got all the campaign books, so there's about five, six of those which have stories in them, um, and then there's um, additional books that they release have like supplement content in them, like extra, extra races, extra rules, you know, that the community have thought of. Um, and you know, these books can range from 20 to 30, 40 quid each. Um, just make everything up if you really want it's easy enough for me to see I'm not the DM but <laughs> but yeah I could, I could probably never buy like a, a book about a story because I couldn't follow it I guess yeah. I was just uh, from what I'm obviously hearing it's it's all about actually uh, I mean if I was to play it would be about being more creative and actually making up things yourself rather than mm. going from a book that's that's how um, I feel rewarded from it it's, yeah it's why I, really I, like go, I mean these books to help and I would probably you would probably use those if you were a new player mm. but it's actually it sounds like it's more about actually being creative um, gives people the chance as a player as well gives you the chance to do things that you wouldn't usually do in normal society <laughs> that that guy who I think it was what was his name again the videos YouTube video guy Matt Coville Matt Coville I think when one of his uh, videos he was saying um, what's this guy's name C-O-V-I-L-L-E 
trees. He's a bit of a legend from the videos <laughs> I've watched. Yeah, he's um, got a big following. Um, but he, I think he was describing that... 5,000 followers or subscribers. Like, pl- okay. as a player, having your character, you can do things that you wouldn't do in normal like life. Um, because there isn't the societal judgment that we have like on everyday situations. Like, we're all here wearing clothes. If you wanted to have a naked character for the whole campaign, you could have a naked character. Like, no one is going to judge you other than the consequences that come in the world. Like, you might get a bit nippy. You might have guards <laughs> chase you down. But you're not going to get arrested and put in prison in real life. Do you know what I mean? So you can be creative on the player side as well. Um, you can you can decide what conversations you want to have with and with who. So you, you might actually w- walk up to a guard and spit on him as a player. You can yeah. totally do that. Carl and Ollie's characters are completely different to them. Like, Carl's an absolute arsehole. And yeah. <laughs> we don't have conversations with the NPCs. And I remember last time he was coming with me when I was talking to all the people and I was like, do you have to come? Because you just keep upsetting everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a perfect then, example. So, yeah, Ollie's yeah. is... Carl is a, a really, really nice guy in person. Yeah. Like probably one of the nicest guys I know. And uh, his character is the biggest asshole in the world. Like, he just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whoever he meets, everyone immediately is just like he just upsets him. Yeah. All he, all he thinks about is money and his own, <laughs> basically himself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Is his character Donald Trump? By <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is it? Yeah. And then Ali's character is completely stupid. Oh. Yeah. Is he like yeah. the Thanks. jester? <laughs> no, he's a he's a half orc fighter that's got really low intelligence. So he's um, loves drinking um, grog, um, you know, which is your stereotypical fantasy beer. Um, and he's so stupid he's actually forgotten his real name and got the nickname of grog because <laughs> he just drinks it. People he's... relate him to it because he's always drinking it, you know. Um, He's also so unintelligent that he uh, can't read or write. So yeah. it makes it really interesting. Uh, and you spent time developing this character away yeah. from the game. Yeah. Yeah, I've created an entire backstory towards him, his father, his mother, you know, why he's there, you know, um, why he's adventuring with this group of people. Um, but yeah, no, that's part of the fun. It's quite cool because you're creating a personality, really, to drop, yeah. drop yeah. into a It comes a right scenario, to a, a whole archetypes and branding thing. Mm-hmm. Literally creating something new. It's great. And when new players get this and they get the freedom of doing what they want without any social pressures, mm-hmm. a lot of them end up becoming what the community likes to call murder hobos. Because they just go around. <laughs> you want <spite> your drink? <laughs> they just go around killing anyone they find because they can do that. Because they can't do that in real life. Because you go to jail for a very long time. So if, if you want to so, kick a hobo and spit on them and shit yeah, on them, you can but do then that. <laughs> if they carry on doing that, the dungeon master will start punishing them or start. So the guards will start to recognise them instantly. That you mm-hmm. might see wanted posters on lamp posts. You might see mm-hmm. like the 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 innkeepers might not let you in stuff like that um, because everything you do has consequences. It's like keep saying that, but it's so true. Um, so the dungeon master's keeping track of all of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and characters generally start with a, what you call an alignment. Um, 
which if you just type in D&D alignment chart, there's tons of them online that refer them back to Game of Thrones. popular <laughs> media such as Game of Thrones. Um, and they go from uh, lawful good, which is mentioned, Ned Stark, follows the law even if it doesn't benefit him or even if it doesn't uh, if it lands him in trouble. For the good of the people. Sort you know, of. But then you also have um, like chaotic evil, which is someone like Joker. They um, they're evil, but they also want to cause chaos. You know, um, but they have people like lawful evil, which people like Darth Vader. They're evil, but they follow a law. They follow internal code. The so <laughs> you can have massively different characters that are all within, you know, within this nine alignments as as they. Cool. So these are alignment charts. Yeah, some of them online are not, you know, a hundred percent accurate. They seem because it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, because the Game of Thrones one is really good. What? what That's a Walking Dead one. I was going to say these are all Walking Dead dudes. But yeah, so, but the problem is, is that people tend to isolate themselves within a certain alignment. And they say they start justifying their actions based on their alignment. This they start these murder hobos start killing people and say, "Why are you killing them? I'm killing them because I'm chaotic evil." So I wouldn't know because chaotic evil is like is is why you're killing them. Why are you yeah. killing them? No, no, no. Wait, no it's uh, <laughs> so it's like you're you're killing them, which makes you chaotic evil. You're not. Kill evil that makes you kill them, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, yeah. Ned Stark isn't like, oh, I'm going to be all nice to people and help people because I'm lawfully good. Yeah. It's like, It's part no. of his nature. Yeah. You know? He is... Yeah. Does it yeah. without thinking about yeah. it. So, because of that, you can actually switch quite easily. Yeah. For example, Carl's character <laughs> started out as chaotic good, which is quite a popular one among new starters because you're still good, but you, but you can do whatever you want because you want to yeah. cause chaos. But as time went on, he started doing more and more. Started being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> started studying, <laughs> yeah, stealing from people, threatening people, wanting to kill people. So he doesn't necessarily kill them, so no, it doesn't no, no. make him evil. But um, he has the thought, so you could, so he's. Um, Alignment got down, got changed to chaotic neutral. <laughs> Downgraded, you were going to say. <laughs> Ooh, still but, know. <laughs> but there's also Matt Coville does a really good video about alignment, and that really alignment doesn't matter at all. It's yeah. more about what your character believes, you know, and what he does based um, on those beliefs. People shouldn't base a character based off two letters that are written on a character sheet, such as chaotic good. They should. Um, do what they believe, which is why a lot of DMs don't even use alignment. Um, the only reason alignment is in the game, from a rules point of view, is that there's certain items and certain spells that can only be cast by a, a evil character, for example. You know, a spell might be an evil spell, so therefore you wouldn't think a good character can cast it. Or this sword might be so evil that it burns any good person that tries to pick it up um, again they are in the game but they don't have to be used that way at all no the dungeon master you know, can maybe um, like yeah. 
as a DM, see if it was like a good, lawful good character, and then they did something completely out of character. Could they DM say, you know, they wouldn't like see if I was like lawful good, and then turned around trying to kill all these characters? Yeah, they would the DM be like, mm, that's what they would definitely bring it up. I mean, the uh, tough thing is you don't want to see. I would restrict, but you don't want yeah be. No, they won't bring it up there and then. They might bring it up after the session. I was just going to say, oh. do they, do they, can they immediately step in when something is said? The Dungeon Master? Or yeah. does so, it have to be after an event has happened? Personally, I wouldn't obstruct anything. Yeah. I would only narrate it. So I would say, actually, your lawful good character might want to kill Ollie's character, but that no longer makes you lawful good. You are now... Kill uh, evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you wouldn't... Yeah, I mean... But there's also the thing is, is that a lawful good character may kill a character because it's part their belief. They believe they're evil and their job may be to stop evil. So they may be lawful good, like a paladin. You know, he's there to prevent and stop evil. So killing a character may not necessarily make him less good. He's just doing what he... Yeah, he's ridding evil of the world, so that makes him a good person, even though he's just killing them. Yeah. (laughs) So it depends depends who you are. So it's very, again, it's it's a balancing act. Great question that I always ask people is, um, so you've just witnessed a man kill three innocent children on the street. You walk up to him, and he immediately drops to his hands and knees, drops the knife that he was handing, puts his hands behind his head, please, 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 like, don't kill me, don't hurt me, I won't do anything ever again, I promise. What do you do? Depending on what era, put him in handcuffs and take him away. So that would make you lawful, because society in the world says this person needs... uh, to be brought to justice. Brought to justice. If you decided to punish him on the spot, you wanted to kill him, that wouldn't necessarily make you evil, but it certainly wouldn't make you lawful. Mm. Like, because that's not following the law, you're just beating the shit out of the man because he did, like, he just killed people. You could you consider might have done it for a reason because the children were trying to poison him. So, exactly. that's a different approach. So, you're actually, like, figuring out his punch. point of view. So, that would make you, like, that would make you good. Because actually, you're trying to actually. Why is he killed these children? Are these children vicious zombies? You didn't actually see that that they were like normal children. They might have been like they might have been killing people. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, you just don't know. So yes, arrest him. If you were, if you wanted to be a lawful good character, you would arrest him and find out why he did it. And maybe like if he realized that he was killing them because they were zombies, then maybe you would try and help him. You would go to the courts with him and say, actually, yeah, he said... Do you know what I mean? It's, it's exactly like the justice system. Mm-hmm. But if you just randomly... If you didn't even look at him, you just didn't even bat an eyelid, you, know, you just slit his neck and carried on walking. Yeah, a, life, <laughs> a life for a life, you yeah. know? If you just slit his neck and carried on walking, you would certainly be, like, a chaotic sort of evil person because you didn't have any ounce of thought of why he did it or um, but then a guard may see that and may have seen the person kill the children but they saw you kill the person so you're just as much wrong as the person you just killed so they may then go and try and arrest you yeah. so you know it's basically Inception. as com- <laughs> it's, no it <laughs> It's as complex as the world we live in, um, if you want it to be. But don't kill people on the street. (laughs) In real life, though. That's not your job. (laughs) Yeah. 
essentially. Quite a lot to take in. Yeah, uh, and looking at this then, um, looking online, this is, it seems to be a very particular age group, but this seems like it could be a really good thing to do for like early years. Mm. Is that happening in, it's not happening, it seems like it could be something that's done in schools, at, at like a, a higher end sort of year I six think or whatever. Um, because it, it's sort of... It's going through that creative process yeah. and decision making and all that type of stuff. Obviously, not going down the road with kids where people being killed. Everything has consequences. Exactly. It, <laughs> is, exactly, it is the understanding that there are consequences for your actions. But it seems that the age group that we're looking at, or when I'm looking online, is between like eighteen to maybe up to eighteen to up to fifty years old or whatever. Yeah. Rather well, you, than you say that, it's because so you started in seventy four, which was mm. um, what almost. 44 years ago, if my maths correct. Um, so, yeah, you get a lot of people where that are, you know, 40s, 50s, and they grew up with it as a teenager. But yeah, I think it's becoming, saying, yeah. it's becoming a lot more popular, I think, with the young people. And because you get 40 and 50-year-olds who grew up with this, they now have kids, and they're actually teaching their kids how to oh, play. Cool. Um, so I see... I'm part of a Facebook group, um, the, the Global Dungeon and Dragons Facebook group, um, which has uh, 116,000 members in it. Um, and I see posts on there all the time of people um, teaching their kids. Like, my kids, um, like nine and ten, I've just started playing Dungeon and Dragons with them. You know, there's, there's kids as young as, young as five. They may not they may not know how to read the rules, mm. but they get an understanding and a grasp of how things work and what to do for them. What yeah, because it's, you know, so, it's quite engaging. It obviously just generates ideas, and it's just one of those things that the problem obviously these days with kids is just everybody. There's everything. Everyone's on iPads, watching YouTube, watching yeah. freaking or playing games when. The actual story is being told for them, whereas they could actually be the storytellers if they actually yeah. did something like Dungeons and Dragons. I, it's, I really, like, it's a really good thing, like for the, the cognitive, cognitive model, I guess, isn't it? It's um, it's certainly a heavily stereotyped game. Like, yeah. you think of Dungeons and Dragons, you immediately think of like nerds with glasses sat in a no pants exactly. <laughs> And you you do you immediately make those stereotypes. Um, Some people see it as I I played it played it for the first time and I was like, oh my god. What do you reckon Steam's opinion would be on something like this? I think at first, I think at first he will probably be a bit like, oh, it's just a it's just a load of fourteen, fifty year olds with long hair that play it, (laughs) you know. Which you know, but to I think some he would he true, would end up appreciating it if he actually truly knew what it was like. If he listened, Steve, if you're listening, to the podcast, <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's good because I look I look to sort of people like that because obviously he's a very highly intelligent guy, but it's it's not something he would sit down and play. So it would be very yeah. interesting to see what his thoughts are on it. Yeah. Um, when people realise the for a session, I think. when people realise <laughs> the freedom and the possibilities of what you can do. Um, especially if you're playing what you call a, a homebrew. Mm. So campaign homebrew is a campaign that you create yourselves. Um, you can create a homebrew on the basic rules. Um, 
like me and Ed are doing, so you still follow the rules of combat and still have the same classes and the same races uh, in the same universe. There are guidelines there, which yeah, everyone people, has a general knowledge. People yeah. create entire new rules. They create an entire new classes. You know, they someone might want play as a mermaid, so they create just a, a bespoke, <laughs> a bespoke mermaid race, or a you know you want to be a, a baker as a class. Um, so someone creates that. Someone creates whole new rules for. <laughs> Um, <laughs> combat. Catherine's eyes lit up. Mermaid uh, baker. She, she bakes cakes and stuff all the time. They also wanted to be a mermaid. I did, yeah. A, a mermaid oh, baker. Yeah. There we go. When we're making characters, and I was like, well, what? I've got no idea. And Ollie was like, the world's your oyster, be what you want to be. And I was like, mermaid. And then I think Rob was like, can I be an oyster? <laughs> <laughs> there was no mermaids or oysters. Pretty then. shit game for you if you were an oyster. Like. <laughs> You just but sat there waiting for stuff to happen. <laughs> I was speaking to him about a, uh, a friend at work, and again, he was like, "You can do anything you want." So, uh, so my character, my character can just suddenly fly. And I was like, "Well, you can at least attempt to fly, but you would have to roll a dice, and I wouldn't make it even possible for you. You would have to get thirty on a twenty-sided dice, for example, to be able to fly." Um, so you could, the, the dungeon master. So, so you might stand there. Just be like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> you might, you might stand there in the Superman position, thinking you're flying, but no. Yeah. There so are there are rules. Which the, the whole DM idea makes. is not to say no. It's to say yes, but with a twist. <laughs> because if you say no, people get dejected and turned off, disappointed, and there's no more fun. But if you say yes, but you have to do this, people are like, oh, there's a possibility. They try it, but they get shot down anyway. Or you can really, really tease them and say, actually, if you keep looking around this house, there is a way for you to fly. And what I don't tell them is it's if you jump out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't say how far. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so it's... um, It seems to me that if you want to be a dungeon master, you have to be a a bit of a seasoned player. To be a dungeon master because no, it's, it's not quite. Really. I've only I'm played. Th- I only played like three sessions, four really? sessions before. I it's don't fucking responsibility though. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it requires a lot of reading. Yeah, I don't think it does. Well, no, because you need you not because you need you've played the game, but you need a, a concept of the rules and how the game yeah. works. I definitely so suggest you, the players don't take advantage of you because you don't know better because you don't know the real the you know, the, the proper way to do it or as I say in the community um, rules as written as it's written in the rule book but that can change so if you take part in like three four five sessions I think you would then have enough knowledge to dungeon master for yourself mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever take this skit? Sorry, go ahead. It depends on your imagination as well. So, like, I've got an imagination, but I couldn't think on the spot if someone decided to do something. Like, Mm -hmm. I could think of a story if I had time, Mm -hmm. but I would just quite a linear story. I guess that's (laughs) that's all in the preparation of the Dungeon Master. You could come up with all sorts of certain things. I mean, I I think I would need to do that. If I was going to be a Dungeon Master, you would need to. I've started building a wiki for my world. Um, Does it need a website? Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's using a free one, so unless you can give me something cheaper. I saw there was a lot of... I was doing 
I was doing loads of research earlier, and there's like tons of apps and stuff for Dungeons oh, yeah, and Dragons. Incredible. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I built a wiki where you can like you can, well, start to build a wiki where you can like click into regions and then look at the towns within the region. But I only add stuff that the that okay. I have a whole like list of stuff which I've created um, <clears throat> as part of the world. But I've only added stuff to the wiki that the players have actually experienced or seen or that they know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can keep adding to that wiki and then they can view that whenever they want. Um, whether it's in the game, out of the game, whether when they talk to people. Players can even add the stuff, add their own stuff to the wiki. Um, so if they like tabloid, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you added tabloid, didn't you, and Ava yeah. um, into the wiki. Uh, so because then it's your interpretation of who those people are as well, like a, a player's interpretation of those people, um, and that's added to the wiki then as well, rather than I'm the dungeon master. This is who this person is because I might create that person, but Catherine's. Or Ollie's, or your opinion might be completely different to what I intended to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you obviously you guys meet up as friends to do this, but did you? I saw you guys were, were doing a meet up. I saw it on Facebook you're going to meet up at an event or something. So is there obviously times where you meet up with just random people and play the game? Well, that's that's what I've been doing. I mean. So, um, is that like a Newcastle meet up sort of? Yeah. So in Newcastle, there's uh, in Brewdog. Um, on That's Dean Street, um, they <laughs> you have the game of Dungeons. <laughs> yes. So they uh, in November last year they started doing two monthly evenings. One is the first Monday of every month is a board game evening, and the third Monday of every month is a Dungeons and Dragons evening. Um, literally, I just started going there by myself. Um, bastard. Yeah, so basically, they've um, around New Year they had a refurbishment, and the that's really cool in there. The mezzanine cool. has got booths in it, so you oh. can fit six to eight people in a booth. Um, so What's the maximum you can play with? Dungeons and Dragons yeah. Unlimited yeah. <laughs> As many as the DM can handle Yeah so basically I've seen pictures of people playing with uh, 10 people People playing with 15 people You'd get a bit bored it, yeah. it gets to a point where It's better to split it into two games mm. um, If you ask for advice online Many people say that the optimal is 4 to 5 um, Or th- you know, three is even possible. Um, three, four, five is the best. You start to get to six, people... Uh, combat starts to slow down a bit because combat is... Probably even playing a board yeah. game with more than four people, you get bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing, so. um, but yeah, so I mean, I started going to Brewdog uh, once a month um, and I actually met... Um, uh, everyone that I played with yesterday, obviously, except for Ed... Um, I'm surprised he didn't turn up where beer is. <laughs> Jesus. The problem is you've got to pay for the beer. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Come on now. I'm all um, for free beer, but as soon as the water um, comes out, I run away. So you have people willing to Dungeon Master, you know, either a single session. So, for example, the one um, a few weeks ago, um, there was four of us and the Dungeon Master and we started a uh, quest to escort this caravan through the desert um, that run a bit long so we've actually paused that and we're going to start again on the 19th of February which is the next session 
but again, people can just come along and so there's normally a few games. Turn out then. Um, yeah, it because it started in November and it's been over Christmas. It was um, has been on, on and off in terms of thinking one game I was had about eight people in it just because that many people turned up. But I said last session there was only four of us. Um, so what happens at those those people that just cut out the dungeon master makes a decision on. The people well, that turn up again, they're sort of cut out of the story essentially because they must. Those other players will obviously have an effect on the story. So what? Do, what does the dungeon master do with those That's people? the benefit of uh, one shots. So when you have a single session campaign, the start and ends in the same evening. Mm. So when they come oh, back right, the next okay. evening or a month later, it's a whole new story, yeah, whole yeah. new characters, whole new players. Um, obviously, if you start getting a campaign together. You obviously you're probably better off meeting on a more regular basis. Yeah, restricting um, when, who can join and who can. Leave. When you go to Brew Dog, do they, does the DM just have a bunch of character sheets with them and just yeah. hand them? Oh, okay. So most yeah, of the time, characters. So there's a Facebook group. Um, think uh, Dungeons and Dragons at Brew Dog. You've just search for that. That and people post on there, and people comment saying can I create my own character sheet and the person organising it the DM will normally be like yeah just create a second level character or and they normally allow that um, my session that I'm going to start within the next few weeks or so um, is uh, five players and it contains Ed and the four players that I've played with at Brewdog um, earlier this month but I also played with them in December as well so they've been going once or twice and one of them is a 40, 50 year old guy that's been playing with Dungeons and Dragons for 30 odd years Jesus, and not. he's a dungeon master and then the other three not including myself, have never played before so no. it was they heard about it, thought it was great, went along and really enjoying it now they're joining a, a regular campaign. It's definitely like one of those hidden things Like people would love it yeah, if they try it, even if it's no, just I, once. I must admit, like, obviously when you like, mentioned it before, I was just like, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Dragon slayers. <laughs> but, um, but actually, when you think of it... Um, There's been no dragons so far. Yeah. Really? That's no. so weird. Distinct like I'm dungeons. just like, you know, when you sit down and talk about it and all the different things you can do with it, it's actually a really good thing for creativeness and all that type of I mean, stuff so. yeah I mean Matt Covo talks about it in one of his videos saying we are not sponsored by Matt Covo <laughs> we are not but he does do some good videos but they talk literally if you're having trouble finding players literally talk about it as much as possible because people over here you have people you never even thought of or not even expected come up to you and be like oh you played Dungeons and Dragons oh, me too or I'm really I, interested in that and <laughs> I really want to try it literally ever since I've been playing the past few weeks at work people at work have been like I really wanted to try that interesting what's going on I wish that happened in my office so you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just get purely judged <laughs> every hour I just go Dungeons and Dragons and see if anyone responds yeah. obviously um, I'm in an office where you know the average age because I'm in a development, uh, like web uh, web development, the average age is like 22. 
you know, between there's about and if you're working web development, you're just a geek anyway. Yeah, so just exactly. So if you love, if you're a web developer, you generally love video games and stuff like Skyrim, and you generally love that kind of thing. So people get interested. But there is also um, traveling man in town on Granger Street. I was going to say they're doing um, some, like shops and stuff. Don't they, 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 they shops. Yeah, that. last year they did a traveling. They did a. Dungeons and Dragons weekend where they organised sessions on a Saturday and Sunday and now I believe they've actually set up a weekly um, basically event so every every Friday night Travelling Man will be running some form of Dungeons and Dragons on the Friday night um, and the guy that's joining my campaign that we met at Brewdog who is the DM he says he's thinking about going down there once or twice a month to also DM to try and get more people into playing it, you know. Okay. So it's... I think people were scared to admit liking it or wanting to try it because of the stereotype. I was just going to say just that. But I think (laughs) once you get past that, you realise actually how... It's kind of like much ah, appeal. You're yeah. not trying it. <laughs> Jokes on you. Yeah, yeah. People don't realise has a, a much broader appeal than um, they first thought. It's a little bit like the, um, I guess if it's like the the gym experience, the whole thing with gyms. People don't like going to gyms yeah. because of certain things. Or they look at me that I'm not doing certain things right and all that different type of yeah. stuff. It sort of goes back to that sort of analogy. No one it? cares really. They're yeah. just enjoying themselves or working out themselves. You know, it's like. Mm. So true. But, but I can't to, go, I to can't go back to... Uh, just to wrap it up. Go on. Because I'm going to have to get... To try. Quite shortly, yes. Alright. To wrap up, do you have any comments? To get people playing the game, to try it out, um, that type of thing. Get in touch with um, Primal something. Where, where would you, if, where would if, you actually... If you want to have a session, I'll DM a one-shot... Primal something session in Newcastle. It will be That's here. my offering. <laughs> we'll do it in the yeah. We'll do it. Fuck sure, it. We'll yeah. do it in the office. So we've, we'll have a, a couple of seats free. I'm sure we can pull up some more seats. But as if well. people really want to start and get re- get into it, join the community where they can join the Facebook. I would, page. Uh, I'd recommend join the uh, international Facebook page. Um, bit, I guess it, join the the Brewdog um, Facebook page and the tra- join Traveling Man. Um, just go down there um, start watching YouTube videos there's hundreds of hours of content on YouTube I'm saying I guess I bet people watch a lot of YouTube stuff of this thing but obviously have never tried it but really really want to yeah, yeah. and I guess a lot of the, the, the problem a lot of the times the stereotypical geek or whatever they're stuck behind generally stuck behind their screens and they don't want to do the whole network. Yeah. It's essentially it's a bit of a networking thing as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. People yeah, don't you have really to, you have, to have the confidence to meet new people, but this is a really good thing. Oh, definitely. For for people who are not that sort of nervous people who don't like meeting, it's a great platform for those people to. It's a great join the community. Booster. Confidence booster. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. That. And just role playing. Go back to video yeah. games now. <laughs> and just role playing um, a different person. You know, it, again, increases your confidence, and you don't have to do a voice. 
Oh, yes, you do. I don't do voice. There's different levels. People yeah. still talk in third person. People actually, yeah. actually people role play as the players. Oh, yeah. Tavaloy has a voice. <laughs> Ava has a voice. The same as... It's <laughs> not the yeah. same. Ava's a female. Yeah. There's two voices, male and female. Also, if you're, if you're interested as well, I would recommend watching um, a recording of a Dungeons & Dragons game, such as uh, one called Critical Role. Yeah. Um, basically, that's a six to seven voice actors that record uh, that stream um, Dungeons & Dragons being played and it can really get you inspired um, it may be a bit daunting because they make it look really cool because they're professional voice actors Yeah. but literally anyone can do it um, yeah. So my character so, sounds like this <laughs> yeah I mean that's fine if your character sounds like that yeah. And is there any uh, podcasts or anything that they do at the moment for Dungeons and Dragons? Anything that people can listen to? PrimalSomethingDnd.com, <laughs> which <laughs> no, okay. no, there's there's hundreds of podcasts out there that do Dungeons and Dragons. I uh, listened to one a while ago um, called D and D is for Nerds. Ollie has no free time. If you, uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with Ollie, it's going to be impossible because he's either watching YouTube or listening to a podcast. What was, what was that song? D and D. Yeah, I'll put, it on, I'll put it on the note. Yeah, um, <laughs> He's D&D also playing D&D. Or playing D&D, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, D&D is for nerds. It's actually um, recorded, what we said it's recorded in Australia. Yes. Oh, and yeah. it's um, three, ca- three characters um, who... Oh, th- three characters and a DM that record themselves play D&D. Um, and I found it hilarious. Um so you can look into that but there's literally hundreds of them available cool I'll put these on the links we'll definitely have to do a session the website in here we'll also put a, um, a few pictures <laughs> of we'll also put a few pictures of our own D&D sessions that I've taken so that um, you can get an idea of the different oh, types yeah. of um, how people play it because you can play it with mats with miniatures but you can also play it in what you call the theatre of mind, which I think is a bit cheesy. Jesus, but, a hell of a lot of episodes. But the theatre of mind is. <laughs> Ollie has a, a, a new sort of season. A new campaign has started. So it's only like three. Yeah, for Critical Role. Yeah, episodes in or something. But each episode is like three hours. What Jesus. is Critical Role? Yeah, they they record it on an e- on a Thursday night, and it airs from about seven till eleven p.m. But in America, um, they are released on YouTube every Monday afternoon evening. So yes, they are three four hours long. But if you think about people watching Netflix, if you watch, you know, four four uh, like four forty minute episodes. You know that's two hours forty. So it, it quickly equates to only watching half a season of a mm-hmm. you know TV show. Um, and I I think it's it's really good what they do. It, it's brought D and D into the limelight a lot more um, than I was going to say. It's, defi- it's definitely it was obviously something that I'd never heard of before, and obviously you lot started playing it. But I have heard heard of it in in sort of different spaces yeah. well, not obviously from you guys but 
just browsing around the internet, you see see things about it and on social media and all that type of stuff. So it's definitely a growing, it's definitely a growing platform and game, isn't it? So, has it made you want to play? Sorry, I I would definitely have a game of it now, hundred percent. So maybe when you do the next podcast, Edward, definitely make a nice wire with that photo. <laughs> we can um, practice more than two voices. We could definitely have a look at playing again. That'd be good. Any more? Yeah, comments? we'll do it, and we'll do it on uh, as part of the podcast. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a we'll session do it live. Well, I'll call the town <laughs> Primal. Get a, get a couple of people. Town. In, we, can, <laughs> we can get a couple more people that are on the mics. You just uh, get dice uh, rolls yeah, for a few true. hours. <laughs> get true. this guy. What was his name? Carl. Carl with the asshole character. Oh. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. We, we could continue the campaign, and you could join in as uh, like a mercenary. It actually or might something. be really good if I um, you can sit in and sit in whilst she's do it. Make it boring for you after a while, mate. Yeah, <laughs> well, sure. if you're not doing anything this Friday night. <laughs> yeah, after ring the baby, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Everyone good? Cool. Wrapped up. Thank you everyone for listening and I will leave notes on the website. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was kind of fun, right? Um, A really interesting subject. um, Something that uh, I've definitely learned from. Um, Some of the stuff the guys were saying about uh, how you can get really creative with with the whole game, how you can actually tell your own stories. Um, throughout, the, throughout the whole game and I think I think actually from what we're seeing in the podcast it is really interesting as a subject for um, actual the young kids or early years type of level um, being able to create and make up stories with, with certain characters actually something that is is really good for, for the brain I guess um, and I think I'd really like to uh, maybe give it a go myself sometime in the upcoming week and see how that goes um, if you know me obviously you know that I'm, I'm always up for trying something once so I'd really like to give it a go um, if you have any thoughts and ideas uh, about the whole thing yourself um, if you're a Dungeons and Dragons player if if you want to have a try um, we're going to leave some links in the uh, podcast notes um, I'll get that on the website as soon as I possibly can so you guys can, can go in there and have a look at some of the links uh, potentially go to one of the meetups that Ollie was Ollie was talking about in Newcastle, which is at Brewdog. I think he said he was every other month or something like that. Maybe it was weekly that he'd mentioned. But I will put all of those in the notes uh, so you guys can get access to them. Um, if you have an interesting subject to talk about going forward uh, in 2018, I'd really like to know um, about it. Drop us an email on info at primalsomething.com. Um, I'll be able to pick that up and we can chat about getting you on onto the podcast. We have a heap of really really cool guys coming in this year um, talking about all sorts of different subjects hopefully get some really big um, big players onto onto the podcast this year from, from the northeast area and beyond hopefully so um, we're really looking forward to the 2018 um, year for the podcast uh, looking to do a lot more podcasting maybe two or three a week um we started off slow in 2017 with only the, I think we did the 12, uh, 12 podcasts that we did. So we did one a month essentially. So uh, if you've got a subject to talk about, drop us a drop us an email um, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. But in the meantime, we will, um, 
like I said, I'll get this online and we will speak more and um, fire up some more podcasts for you in the very near future. Thank you very much for listening and speak to you all soon. Thanks. <laughs>